Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pater, a Penn State football show. Along with former Penn State and NFL quarterback Matt McGloin, I'm Tom Hannafin. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Pater. Now, we're big fans of Funk's Citrus IPA and Silent Disco IPA, but Funk has so many great beers to choose from at their tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products product must be 21 years or older to purchase please drink responsibly also pater is brought to you by our partners at bet online who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info find all the latest odds news and sports developments including this year's wimbledon finals major league baseball the latest fighting news and even next season's early nfl futures head to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit and use our promo code believe that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Paydirt is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. And, of course, we encourage you to head to shop.believe.com. That's shop.believe.com. And search Pater for not one but two pieces of Pater merchandise. One comes in white, black, and navy blue. It is a T-shirt with the official show logo over the heart. And the other item is a navy blue shirt with the Pater wordmark over the chest. And on the back, it's got Matt McGloin's name and number, very reminiscent of his 2012 uniforms. Check that out at shot.com shop.believe.com that's shop.believe.com search pater thank you for tuning in on espn state college as well as checking out the podcast version of the show presented by the believe network which is available now on youtube apple Podcasts, spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts and of course hit us up on twitter and let us know what you think of the show at espn radio 1037 at mcgloin qb 11 and at tom hannafin Matt, we are back. Uh, we had an interesting week in regards to some shifts in the Big Ten that are coming in 2024. USC and UCLA are on their way, and it appears there's even more changes happening. The Pac-12 seems to be uh, deflating, while the Big 12 seems to be growing. There's a lot of questions out there. But we are going to do what we do best at this point in time. Uh, we've got another great guest on this week, um, former Penn State defensive back, uh, and a jack-of-all-trades, frankly, when he was a Nittany Lion, Justin King. Um, there's so much to dive into with Justin, not just what he did as an athlete at Penn State and in the National Football League, but he's really done some amazing things off the field ever since he uh, hung up his cleats. But I'm excited to have you on with him because the, the juxtaposition is fascinating in that um, he was a five-star recruit, and you, of course, a no-star, no, another <laughs> – of that situation it's proof that the stars in front of your name don't always matter yeah. but you know we talked to justin a little bit and people are going to hear it in a second it is a massive difference from what a five-star recruit yeah. experiences versus what you know a walk-on experiences and that was one of the questions that i was so excited to talk to him about tom and to ask him was the expectations because for a guy like me zero star preferred walk-on Penn State had nothing invested. So if I didn't become a player, if I didn't become a scholarship athlete, that's fine. You know, I've always felt like they just thought, well, you know, he's a part of the team. 
and that's good enough. He's got the chance to play, the chance to maybe get better and contribute here or there, help us out at practice. You know, but but you know, for a guy like me, again, it was never about that. It was about becoming the best quarterback I can be, the best teammate, best captain, the best leader, earning a scholarship and proving that. Look, I can play at this level. I can help this team. I can help contribute and win football games as a quarterback. And, you know, when you look at a guy like Justin, I mean, back in 04, he was rated as highly as the top cornerback recruit in America, Tom. That's crazy. That's just crazy to think about. Like, this guy, he's number one, right? He's a Gatorade player of the year. You mentioned a five-star recruit. So when fans see that, when coaches see that, when other players see that, it, 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 the expectations are through the roof, right? You cannot fail. And that's just the way it is. The expectations are so high. You're not expected to be half good. You're not expected to be decent. You're not expected to have an up and down career. You're expected to be a star. Um, and right from when he stepped foot on campus as a freshman, he was asked to contribute early, Tom. And you know, he did a fantastic job. No doubt, one of the better cornerbacks we've seen in Penn State in recent memory. One of the best athletes to to, to walk uh, through those doors. Not on top of that, he was a two way player there for a yeah. moment, which is you just don't see that very much anymore. Every once in a while, there's one or two guys in major college football that are doing that, but to do it at a high level like he did early in his career, and then um, the the latter half, I'd say, of his time at Penn State was pretty much sticking to defensive back. Spent three years at Penn State, fourth round pick of then the St. Louis Rams, and had a nice career in the National Football League. But I touched on it a little bit, and we're going to get into it with Justin. Um, Justin has founded his own uh, company called LIG Sports Group. And uh, we're going to put the uh, information in the description of this podcast, but I highly recommend uh, people go to the official YouTube channel for LIG Sports Group and check out his Blue Chip Academy interview series. He has some really important conversations, I think, in terms of the future of football. And you've gotten to see it a little bit, Matt, and we're going to get to the connective tissue, ironically, between all three of us, which who would have guessed Hannafin, King, and McGloin and anything in common? You two, certainly. But how important is it to see players giving back to the game in the way that Justin is? You know, I think he's somebody you look at, a, Penn, a former Penn State student athlete, a guy that played in the NFL, a guy that was drafted in the fourth round, played for a lot of years, and, you know... Myself included, Tom, when you're done playing, you kind of take a step back and look around and it's like, all right, well, what's next for me? You know, people think you play college football, you play in the NFL and and that's it. But, you know, I mean, I, I stopped playing football when I was 30. I, I was playing since I was five years old, Tom. So I chased that dream for 25 years. Right. And when you're done, it's kind of like, all right, well, I, I achieved my goals. I achieved my dream. What's next? What's next in my life? And, you know, when you look at a guy like Justin, I mean, he is one of the guys that has been able to make that transition and has had so much success um, in doing that. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, to talking uh, to him about that. And I want to I talk about this before, before we get to the interview. Tom, you mentioned it. He was a guy who spent three years at Penn State and then moved on. Right, which that that is a hot topic today in college football, and and, and it has been for it a was long a hot time. topic when he was in school and when he left. I do yes. remember that was a point. Uh, some people supported it and supported it. Some people didn't. Yeah, and it's tough. And look, you look at a uh, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I believe is the one who who's talking about it. You know, uh, more than a lot of other coaches in the country right now, saying, "Look, if you don't get drafted and you have another year of eligibility, you should be able to go back 
to college, which makes sense. You know, I'd love to see a rule like that or something like that. Um, but, you know, leaving a year on the table, a year eligibility on the table, that's a risk. But again, for a guy like Justin, it paid off to be able to go in the fourth round, you know, play for a few years in the NFL, play at the highest of levels. Um, just impressive, an impressive guy off the field, an impressive player on the field. Hey, former NBA player J.R. Smith went back to college and he's yep. been playing golf at North Carolina A&T. So, hey, anything can happen. Just ask Sean Clifford. You can be on campus now for six years <laughs> if you feel like it. <laughs> there's a lot going on. But uh, before we go any further, uh, we might as well get to it. So, ladies and gentlemen, here on Pater on ESPN Radio State College, here is former Penn State cornerback Justin King. Joining us now here on Pater, former Penn State defensive back, Justin King. For those of you wondering how Matt McGloin, Tom Hannafin, and Justin King have anything in common, it's somehow the XFL and WWE. <laughs> because at one point, it was uh, you, Justin, who was working uh, in a front office capacity, one of the many people who reached out to Matt McGloin to jump on to the XFL in 2020. And meanwhile, I was working for WWE, which then owned the XFL. And that feels like 40 years ago that all that stuff happened. So you got to walk me through your time specifically in the XFL. I know there's a lot that you've done since your playing days. Yeah, man, the XFL was a great experience. And that's a funny thread for us all to kind of come together. Um, you know, trying to reimagine the game of football. So, like, when we even talk about Matt, he was one of our eight premier quarterbacks when we talk about what drives a football league and, you know, everything, just the basis of football, right? It's a lot of players, so there's a, the level of commoditizing the player. But we all know that kind of what drives ticket prices, viewership, and things are quarterbacks. And when we're talking about quarterbacks, given opportunity that can lead a team, leadership, has some experience that can carry a game with the offenses that we're trying to put in place. Obviously, Matt was one of the guys, but that was one of the few cool things that we were able to do at the XFL, you know, just trying to reimagine a game of football, right? Because football, NFL that we see, college sports, it, not that it's stale, but there's very, there's not really much room for innovation, very small course here. So we were tasked with reimagining the game for uh, viewership, increasing the football ecosystem for players and coaches. So it was a, a great experience. Matt, when you get contacted by Justin, you know, you guys, I guess on paper, were both on campus in 2008 like you were a walk-on and Justin was probably prepping for the 2008 NFL draft so you guys didn't really get to experience each other's teammates but when you get a call from Justin and the likes of the XFL how'd that conversation go down no look, look it was great and yeah and, and a few people had, had reached out about the XFL and you know for me um, it was kind of one of those things where you know obviously I was out of the NFL um, you know the, the phone had stopped ringing you know in that sense, but I was always keeping my eye on the XFL, seeing how things were developing there, who was going to be a part of the XFL, who are they bringing in to help run, um, you know, the XFL. And again, Justin had reached out and a few other people had reached out as well. And it seemed like it was going to be a great opportunity and, and just one of those opportunities where you couldn't pass up. And for me, I felt like I had something left in the tank. Um, you know, and, and the XFL was going to give me every opportunity to, to kind of be the guy again, you know, be, be, be the franchise guy, be a part, um, you know, of this team of this organization. And, you know, I, I wanted to get back to the NFL and if this was the path that, that I had to go then that was it, but you know, uh, it was a great run. Unfortunately it ended, you know, just in the way it did, um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm glad it is back and I, I'm glad there's going to be another 
path that these younger guys can take um, to, uh, you know, to get to the NFL and, and to continue their football career, because, you know, like I said, it's such a special sport, you know, it teaches you so much, you know, and you, and you should be able to play it for as long as you, as long as you can. I can echo that too, even with just for a standpoint of the fitness of the ecosystem where even opportunity to get to the NFL, but just another, another level of closure, right. When it's just like that level of like, okay, um, from here, all right, this is kind of it where it's like that next plateau before you transition to the real world or however you want to refer to it. You two have an interesting uh, Venn diagram, I guess. Penn State is the link between McGloin and, and Justin King, of course, but you guys had very different experiences. I love that. Just on your Twitter, you identify yourself as a washed five star, which is <laughs> hilarious. And I remember, uh, you know, I was on campus from, I want to say, uh, it was 2007 to 2011. So you were playing at the time and the hype around you as a five star was was real. You were a two way player. You were a star at corner, obviously. Um, what is life like when you're being recruited as a five star athlete? We talk about it so much, but like, what is that like? I mean, it, it, I mean, it's changed, right? Because I think even from when I came up, get recruited, I was at the the crux of the new wave of rivals, ranking players, the star rankings, and things of that nature. But I also had the experience of like recruiting guys like Michael Parsons and Jason Owe and these guys. So from my standpoint of how it was changing, it was like kind of anomaly, like obviously treated a little bit like red carpet treatment. Everybody's kind of um, rolling everything out for you. My dad was a coach, athletic director. So I had some guidance. My dad played up in state, Terry Smith. So there was some level of familiarity going through the process of kind of creating my own criteria to not get emotionally bound to how you get treated as a five-star, which was, beyond helpful because I've seen the counterpart of recruiting guys and like the whole ecosystem is to blow up a 13, 14 year old person because it's not too hard to find the five star that young of an age and kind of create this monster by the time they become uh, 18 kind of now. But then, I mean, you got recruited hard. I think it was like you met with different people. So I was I was meeting with the presidents of the university, like athletic directors. So like the conversations even throughout my recruiting process was like, the stability of the head coach, like if not this head coach, who's the next head coach. Um, so I think when I look back and talk to other people about their recruiting process, like on a blue chip uh, Academy podcast and hearing about how other people approach their recruiting process, it was enlightening for me because I only know my process and it was more about the different access and how they approached me. I would, I would say. Interesting. So you're yeah. almost a, calling it a partner in the process of the the growth of the team from day one. And you're a teenager. That's, that's what I realized was unique about my, my process, right? Like, or at least how we evaluated it because there was a criteria that's built there. Once you, I feel like you have your critical factors of what you need from a school, whether power cities, playing early, whatever those things are, it does empower you and puts you into a position of like, no, this is like a level of partnership. Like I know going up as a coach's kid, if we lost, like I know he would get heat. So I knew that there was value that I needed to bring to the, to the program or whatever I'm standing on the table on to be, even be able to sit with a president. Like I was aware enough to know, all right, they're taking me serious. This is business. It's not an extracurricular activity, but I knew that I would bring it to the table. So I think just having that awareness was very helpful. 
I think it's just amazing because, you know, in life there's the haves and have nots. So, I, you know, it's easy to say as a five star, you were in the haves category. And then Matt uh, was definitely somebody who was a walk on and had to prove himself. And he got to the point where he earned the starting position. But um, I want to talk a little bit about your time on the field. As I mentioned, you were a two way player briefly, and then you transitioned pretty much full time uh, to corner later in your time at Penn State. You don't see the two-way players very much anymore. Um, what was it like sustaining that workload? Uh, it was it was fun, to be completely honest, which would kept me a, in, a, in a position to not think too much, like whether we had like packages on offense and defense. I think a, a big credit to that was the conversation that we spoke about, having conversations with athletic administration, just like the benefit of coming early, right? Talking with the coaches, like this is the plan, how are we going to do it, and just seeing if those things stacked up. So it was the idea of playing early, Playing early and playing both sides. So coming up in January as an early enrollee, being able to learn offense and defense, right? Certain positions on offense, packages on defense, to be able to just step in and athletically just play, right? I will say that I don't think schematically I was just light years out there. I picked, I grasped concepts, <clears throat> I grasped concepts of football pretty, pretty quick. And um, it gave me a, a chance to just use my athletic ability and stuff out there. So it was, it was, it was a lot of fun, to be completely honest with you, but that's how I was going about, again, that criteria. I wanted to play both sides of the ball. So, like, when I'm eliminating 55 scholarship offers, I'm trying to go to where, I, like, my plan is going to fit. Yeah, where you can play the most. You know, I you mean, mentioned – yeah, you, you mentioned being an early enrollee there like that. And, you know, for somebody like you who was rated as, you know, as highly as a top cornerback recruit in America – you know, back in 04, PA Gatorade Player of the Year, five-star recruit, um, you know, were the expectations for you, I guess, fair heading into Penn State? Because with all the accolades, you know, all the ratings, it's it's almost like you like you can't fail in, in most people's eyes. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I mean, I think there was a big benefit to, like, the group of guys that I came into Penn State with as well, right? So, like, I, I, I was kind of one of the – first people to jump on board, but I did get into the recruiting and always been uh, a big proponent of just kind of doing things with like-minded people. So I met Derek Williams at a camp. Like I grew up, you know, with Sean Lee, uh, like Lydell Sargent, like we grew up. So like, like I know these players, like when me and Sean are going to a photo shoot, I'm like, man, I think Penn State's, I think Penn State's the place. Like just knowing how, like the type of players that are there. Like I, Paul Poslesny, like he grew up around this area. So like seeing a lot of the players in the makeup AQ Shipley, like that was at Penn State. I felt like it was like a stack that that we can kind of just ignite fire to. And like other people saw it the same way. So when we got in there, not that there was an expectation to fail, but we understood the the, the strength of the program and what it was set up to do. And we had ultimate confidence that we can fulfill it. And just to give some context, like there was a great thing heaven guys like Dion Butler and Jordan Norwood is roommates, right? Like me and Derek come in as five-star recruits and they have like a walk-on and, you know, a gray shirt recruit who are very good and work hard and are dogs at that time. So it's like that dichotomy between even us was just like, all right, we're all in. And not that there was expectations, but we had the expectations on ourselves, like to go there and like wake up this sleeping giant. Like that was the goal. Yeah, so like you kind of answered my next question I had for you then because we we had Zach Mills on the uh, on the show recently and the, the early 2000s were tough years for the program there were the rumors that 
people wanted Joe to retire. So for you, it, it seems like it was more about the people, more about the players that were currently in the program or that were about to be in the program was the reason why you chose Penn State. Is that right? Yeah, talent evaluation, talent acquisition, it's always kind of been a part of like my makeup of just kind of evaluating like the situation coming from a, as a coach's kid and just understanding team dynamics of what we're looking at. Like when you look at even the, the advanced stats of like that four and seventeen before I got there, like they had a top five defense in the country, right? And like on offense, the places that were pieces that were missing, I'm like I, me, Derek, and Jordan, Dion had foresight to be like, hey, I think we can play here as freshmen. Like there's an opportunity to play. And everything else is there. Like they had Austin Scott and Tony Hunt coming there. Michael Robinson's uh, at quarterback. Like they, I mean, the defense got buckets of war winners, Tom Holly. Like if you watch the game of football and just don't get caught up as a fan, like there was a piece of that. And we talk about meeting with Grand Spaniard and um, like the ADs and stuff. That was about like Joe Paterno at the time of like the succession of like them saying that he's going to be here your entire time. So like that was like a promise, not from Joe Paterno, that was a promise from the president, right? So even those different type of aspects, it's like, all right, they believe in him. I can see the pieces myself from just football acumen of like where we can fit, have confidence in our abilities and we kind of hit the road running. You know, fast forward to, you know, fast forward through your career now, you know, sitting here today and looking back and, you know, being a fourth round draft pick, um, you know, for the St. Louis Rams and, and foregoing your senior season. Do you ever look back and say, uh, I wish I stayed and played one more year? You know, I always have that. I have that thought every once in a while. Uh, I'll be honest with you and say, I don't really go back too much on it. I think I had the thought when I hurt my toe, my, my rookie year in the NFL and eight month recovery, right? Like, man, I possibly should have stayed in school. But like the reason I left, if I'm being completely honest, was it was like a level of, um, at the time playing corner, I mean, we were a single high team, you know, eight in a box and just playing cover three, where it's just like no dichotomy in how I was playing corner and being used at that time. And just not to say that I plateaued, but just wanted to get into like a different, just a different situation to continue to develop. Like, I mean, I kind of had, you know, I already graduated from school and different things of that nature. So there was like different things that I had checked off the box. Like when I got to Penn State, like I told him I didn't plan on being there longer than three years. So like everything that I was going would have had to be a pivot the other way. So when I say that, going through the complete football ecosystem, working outside, obviously that guaranteed money and different things like that at the beginning. But who's to say I go back to school and get hurt and nothing ever happened. So I try to take it as a, as a learning step and just more so bank on having that acceleration plan. Because like regardless of what I was always confident of what I wanted to do, understanding my base up in state, understanding what my athletic ability was. And like, you know, the football gods give everybody their, their limited amount of time to play this game. So um, to answer your question, fleetingly sometimes it comes up, but most of the time, I mean, I don't think I get in the position or get exposure to a lot of things within football that I was able to, to be able to transition into where I'm at now without it. And Justin, you did it the right way. You'd already, as you, as you mentioned, you'd already graduated. So why not go to the NFL and pursue this? But I think the fascinating thing to me is you use the word development because you're, you're with the Rams from 08 to 2011 stints with the Colts stints with the Steelers, but then it's really after your playing days that your development as a person and as a professional 
really took off like your resume. I don't think a lot of people comprehend uh, just what it is you've accomplished off the football field. Briefly, you were doing scouting and analytics work for the Browns. You got your master's degree from the University of Miami, Florida in sports admin and management, spent time as a physical therapist. Uh, you were at Penn State as a recruiting coordinator. We talked about it briefly, the stuff in the XFL. And then you founded uh, the LIG Sports Group uh, just last year, which has become a huge part of your life. Um, was, was there a point, you know, you're having these conversations with Graham Spanier and Joe Paterno back, you know, you're a teenager. And then now fast forward and now like, look at that body of work. Does that astonish you sometimes? Um, when you're in it, I think sometimes it's, uh, it gets, I mean, you're kind of in a blender, right? Where it's like the next thing, the next thing development, right? Where Matt asks, like, how was that position? Like in that moment, I was thinking of development, right? Like get to that next point, get to that next level. It's here. Um, yeah, it's cool because I think the process, though, is extremely hard, right? When I talk about on Blueprints of Success interview process, it's like, what are those transition steps to doing it? Because, I mean, now when I take a step back and be like my, my football career, going to school and all those things matter. But like when I first transitioned out, my resume really wasn't much of anything. And that kind of was hard because coming up as an athlete, it was a merit-based sport. So like we're able to see and clock what it is. So like being able to transition out and not get any of that credit for being a player, I had to try to figure out how does this happen? And I had a different entry point into football because I worked in football before I became a player. So like I fell in love with setting up the football field before I ever put on the helmet. You know what I mean? Like understanding like the board tags or what the coach, the head coach wants and like dealing with uh, the athletic trainers and like running around at seven, eight years old. So before I even started playing, like I had more of perspective of people outside of the game than I did players. I knew players from when I heard coaches sitting in staff meetings at eight and nine years old. But so I'm saying all to say, like I was always trying to get, like find those niches within the football business to be able to like show that, hey, I can do this as well. But sometimes as a player, you get put into a, a category where it's like, oh, well, they want to coach or they just want to do this. And so trying to prove that. <laughs> it, it reminds me, we had Evan Royster on the podcast recently, and he described himself as not a fan of football, but a student of the game. And that's very yeah. much what I take away from what you're, you're saying right here. Uh, you mentioned it a couple of times, and I do want to plug uh, what you're doing at LIG Sports, especially um, you have an interview series of uh, the Blue Chip Academy, the Blueprint to Success interview series. I encourage everybody to check it out uh, on YouTube. Um, I had reached out to you because you had had a recent conversation with RMU head coach Bernard Clark, who is a legend at the University of Miami. We just talked about you have a degree from there. Um, you guys had this fabulous conversation about making strides in diversity, in front offices, in coaching, et cetera, all throughout football. And the, the approach to it, I thought, was just so refreshing because it was a, just a basic approach to human psychology. Um, when you reflect on that conversation, is that what you're, you know, is that what you hope your impression is on the game and the business of football? A hundred percent. It's opening up the talent acquisition pool, right? And we just talk about coaches, executives, um, we talk about brand managers. We talk about people that do corporate partnerships, just like the business and scope of football is this huge business. And we have guys that are coming into it. And, you know, just focused on kind of one part where it's like you can just kind of open up the scope a little bit and just help yourself even going through the business when you have context of the business that you're going into. So you can have that 
that that runway or that credibility as you continue to move up through the ecosystem, right? It's like one of the few sports where you become the top 1% and you're not automatically a highly touted coach or a highly touted person to work with in the sport. Like if you're, if you become a golf pro, you can do anything in golf, right? Like if you become a tennis pro, I mean, they don't think your management skills are too bad to run a tennis school, right? Like, or to run a tennis team. And so just in terms of football, we just talk about that. Like a lot of times it's using that network and building your network as you grow. Cause like once you transition out of the sport, it's no longer about just that merit-based thing. Like, all right, I'm a great coach. I played 10, 12 years. I did this. It's like, no, you have to like build your network and earn trust of other coaches to kind of make those jumps up. And it's not just, I did X, I did Y, I won. And like, that's not how decisions are made. Like when we're interviewing head coaches or interviewing top level uh, guys, it's, it's cross-functional at the top. Might have somebody from the finance department, might have somebody here. So like when you're looking at somebody to run an organization, uh, you know, there's like the different qualities that you're looking for. Um, I'm, I'm saying all that to say that, you know, when we're talking about like the process of it and making it more diverse, there's a level of increasing networks, right? And like for people to be known and help other people know like up and coming candidates at the end of the day, um, there's just a bottleneck in talent acquisition and that is based on human nature. It's you know such I mean? a, it, yeah, it's such a transient business kind of as you talked, it is about, and that's life, that's any occupation, it's who you know, that sort of situation. So I think people uh, can understand that, but is your hope to, impress upon you know every level of football to hey do your due diligence take yourself out of your comfort zone look at different people people from different walks of life i mean it just seems like it's a it is a, a situation where people just need to work a little bit harder well absolutely it's, it's it's working harder but it's also working smarter right making the right and like the like the right deposits in the right bucket because like even we think about this when i think lig sports group is you know, managing or uh, Mastering the critical points of football. I believe that the recruiting process, as you hear my story, like that's when I was introduced to the business of football and like me operating, making decisions, critical thinking. This feels this way. This AD lied to me and said this coach was going to be here. Like, like all those things where I was intro at 17. I didn't really get credit until I got my master's and did a couple of things. And it's like, wait, look at this resume. I felt like I know a lot of this stuff <laughs> that I knew kind of just paying attention, but there's a way of putting, I think, in tactical steps for like guys going through the football ecosystem or just the elite sports ecosystem to set themselves up to use sports as a catalyst to a career that they can bank on, whether it's working with and being an athletic director, being a coach, being a development person in administration or working for Pepsi and doing brand, deal, brand deals with athletes. And there's so many, the, the, the range is so vast and just a lot of times it's a lack of knowledge of kind of where you fit. And as you're going through the ecosystem, knowing that you're built in your build your, uh, your network and your ecosystem and making connections, that's, that's how people get jobs, right? That's when you kind of earn that trust for someone to say, hey, I'll deal with you because if you ask any coach or anybody, a lot of times the first thing is like, do I trust this person or do I know him? <laughs> and trying to fill that gap, right? To where it is a level of mayor-based situations because as a leader, it's hard to find the next up-and-coming talent as an athletic director, head coach, or anybody. You know, Justin, I want to go back to your, your, your career uh, real quick and, you know, your development and, and your journey. And obviously uh, you know, your stepfather is coach Terry Smith, who is the assistant head coach and cornerbacks coach, um, you know, currently at Penn State. I mean, how impactful, you know, was having him 
teach you the game growing up and, and how, and how important was that? I mean, it was, I mean, I can't put a value on it. I mean, I think it was immense just in terms of everything, like I'm just emotional control going through the process of looking at it in more of a critically thinking way and just, uh, just more critical eye and just looking at the, the sport, like the sport, the business of sports, right? Like he was the athletic director when I was growing up. So when we're like my free time, we're working basketball games, like helping putting those things on, like where the tickets are going and different things of that nature. So like that was kind of my background. So when we just kind of zeroed into football, he was a football coach. So it was just kind of second nature. But I mean, I wouldn't even want to work in sports if it wasn't for him. I wouldn't. Like understanding how to navigate, knowing how to become the partner to a coach, earning the trust, everything, the tactical steps of this journey has been from him, right? And it's just kind of me enacting it, but yeah. Yeah, not even necessarily the, like the physical aspect of playing the game. Like how, how important was just that, that mental aspect of it to be able to learn how it works at <sighs> such a young age? Because I feel like everybody, everybody just kind of forgets about that like the, the more you play and the more you grow like uh, once you're able to match and i've been talking i talk a lot about this once you're able to match the physical aspect of the game and the mental aspect of the game that is when you separate yourself from everyone else so i mean having a guy like coach you know uh, teach you that me- I, I can't imagine you know what, that, what that did for you as a player i mean that was, that was like a confidence that was a confidence boost for me that was always i felt was my edge regardless yeah. of being fast regardless of being what whether it was like okay it really helped when i got to the nfl just seeing how people moved around the building like up oh, he's eliminating himself like i get to college like up oh, he's eliminating himself because there's a lot of things that happen or the evaluation process that happened outside of the lines the lines right mm-hmm. like obviously talent equals tolerance and i understood all those unwritten rules so like I understood the viewpoint of a coach a lot of times or people walking in the building. So like that was like a lot of times the biggest benefit for me was knowing what holes not to step in. You know what I mean? Where it's just naturally within the environment to easily step in those holes. Right. Like, cause you, a lot of times you get disqualified from that. Cause like 50 people are in a football building watching you operate on a daily basis. But it's the same 50 people that people want to call about when you go to get a job in sports. Right. Like when we're talking about how am I like getting Michael going as one of our eight quarterbacks, it's not that you can just throw the ball. It's like, no, he's a story. He's like, he's a hardworking guy from Scranton that this was at Penn State. And then like, there's everything that went into that evaluation. The playing part was like probably one sixth of it. We're going to be honest with you. You know what I mean? And it was yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. check the box and everything else. So having that, those tactical steps along the way, I mean, I've seen it, I've seen it break careers, like from the recruiting standpoint, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about like guys that don't know the actual steps, don't have a true awareness of where they're going and try to be partners when like really you should be begging for an offer, right? Like, yeah, yeah. it's like awareness is empowerment. Like if you go through a woods and you have a trail, you probably could walk faster versus like having a, you know, a tomahawk or, a, you know, something trying to chop the trees down and trailblaze your own path. That's <laughs> how I kind of envision it. And, and now, you know, coach has the opportunity to coach a guy like Joey Porter Jr., who I feel like, you know, every few years at Penn State, there's always that one guy in the secondary who has the chance to be the next, you know, big time player to make a lasting impact at Penn State and to be, you know, remember forever. And Joey Porter Jr. certainly has the potential and the talent to do that. And when you watch him, what does he have to do this year to take that next step? I think you're just kind of like anything when you talk about playing corners, just like tighten up dispersion, right? Like, like limit, limit big plays and just make plays on the ball. It's obviously a, 
a gifted player. Uh, I mean, the talent is immense. And like, I, I recruited the guy out of high school. So like, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Joey Porter. And like I said, the sky's the limit. So like, to take the next step, man, make a, make a few plays. And I think the, the, the script is written for him to be completely honest with you, man. He has a rare skill set. He's a smooth athlete, short area equipment at six, two and a half. Yeah. He's 210 pounds. You know I mean? He grew up in a NFL family. Like I used to go to the, you know, to the Steelers and work with the scouting and help with those guys. You know, he was there in high school running around covering Antonio Brown. So like, there's like, I, I put a lot of stock into how people kind of um, their background and growing up in this game of sports. So I feel like it's just a matter of time. The lights on for him at this point, like so, the lights coming on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, like When you look at that position and, like secondary in general, I feel like is, is extremely difficult to play, whether you're playing corner safety, strong safety, whatever it may be, but like that cornerback spot, I mean, aside from, aside from quarterback, you know, maybe I'm a bit biased because I played quarterback. I think it's the most difficult position in all sports to play. But when you look at that cornerback spot, that's up there in, in terms of like just understanding how to play it, having to be the right person to play that position. I mean, it's tough. And Justin, what's the most, I guess, what's the most difficult part about having to play that position? The most difficult part about playing that position is I think there's a level, like kind of what you say, you have to be fully athletic and confident in your athletic ability, but you also have to be uh, aware and cerebral enough to understand what's coming at you and not be an overanalyzer, like to be able to turn that off and be like, oh, I'm, I see, I have enough, I'm jumping. I have this, this is what it is. And like, so that processing skills matched with your athletic ability while you're guarding the best, some of the best athletes in the world and guys are putting the ball anywhere they want. That's the hardest thing. So I think that combination of athletic ability and like the cerebral sense of like filling routes and having a, I say like a high effort level, right? Like when it's like, <laughs> Like Marcus Peters type, Talib, uh, yeah. Talib Khalid, like I, that is a piece of it because they're going to get beat, but yeah. you have to be able to step up to the plate every time. Competitors, to be completely honest. Well, and the rules certainly haven't helped. All the rule changes over the years. Oh, man. Not at all. <laughs> I said Talib. Akeem Talib. Yeah. Akeem Talib. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And he's doing great in broadcasting nowadays. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I'm blown away by your overall body of work, but as you look forward, whatever it is you're doing now with LIG sports group, or maybe it's, uh, you know, another uh, pursuit of yours, you, you describe yourself as an entrepreneur and an executive, um, you know, five, 10 years down the road, where do you hope to see yourself in the business of football? In the business of football, I hope to see myself as, uh, or LIG Sports Group, as almost like the Deloitte of football operations, right? Like everything going on in the business gaps that are happening when you talk about the transformation of NIL and all these different things. A lot of things that we see as our marketplaces and things of that nature. But normally we're talking about like the operation of all these new changes that are happening um, within from being a top-level player, working and recruiting, helping start a league with uh, a start a football league, working in behind the scenes and just kind of seeing the whole path through, just seeing those different gaps. So that's kind of where our different services fit in, whether from finding coaches, helping the next generation go through and enter this football business prepared and empowered with a business mindset and the college guys understanding the different uh, uh, brand opportunities that they can build and curate um, legacy brands within sports properties across the country. So to answer the question, I mean, I don't like to say another company, but like something like a Deloitte of Sports Operations or just like in 
our football operations and talent acquisition, you know, at the end of the day, um, talent acquisition and career development are my passions. <laughs> in, in your opinion, you, know, you talked about innovation earlier in, in regards to the game of football. Are we at a major crossroads in the game of football in terms of we have to see some changes for the game to advance? And I'm not saying survive, but clearly there need to be changes at every level of football for players to be better received, as you mentioned, for there to be advancements in front offices. It's a, it's a very big question, but is this a really critical point in the game? I think there's always a critical point in the game ever since, you know, we've found out about the safety precautions that, I mean, safety measures that come after or measures that need to be taken leading up into playing sports. Um, I think the NFL, you know, they try to change the rules to make it a safer game all the time. I think that was one of the greatest missions that we had at the XFL was like truly trying to put things in place to make the game better, right? With better game uh, speed of play, uh, play clock, more rhythmic game, um, the kickoff being a safer separate situation and just more impactful for the fans. Uh, I think there's always room for innovation. I mean, I think it's innovator die in all things. I think sometimes in, Sports and football in general in America, sometimes you don't have to innovate because it's such a gladiator sport that people would like to watch it. But, I mean, as people continue to understand more and more about it, I think innovation is at the crux of everything, especially in football. And I believe talent acquisition and all those things because those are people that kind of make the whole program work on the field and off the field. Well, and you're a great person to have at the forefront of it. And, and we're proud that you're representing Penn State in the process. So uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier on, for those of you interested, um, check out LIG Sports Group and especially on YouTube, the Blue Chip Academy and the Blueprint to Success interview series. Uh, Justin does a phenomenal job on there. Some really uh, incredible conversations I recommend you check out. Justin, thank you so much for joining us and best of luck to everything you have going forward with LIG. Matt, Tom, thank you so much for having me. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll be back on ESPN State College next Thursday, again, from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. If you want to check out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network, this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at ESPN Radio 1037, at McGloin QB 11, and at Tom Hannafin. Pater is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Pater. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.